welcome to Beyond the Crucible. I'm Warwick Fairfax, the founder of Crucible Leadership. One venue we're at, all of the books went, and I don't know, stacks of people sign, you know, signed up to get a book. And there was a line seemingly a mile long, you know, for students in one location at the end of the day wanting me to sign the book. It was blew my mind. I mean, you know, it was just, so the reaction by all folks, business folks, but certainly students, it's like, it felt like this book mattered to them. My story, the lessons learned about leading a life significance. As we say often, you're not defined by your worst day, how you can get over that worst day and just live a life, a significance of life on purpose, dedicated to serving others. I mean, it was such a blessing to see that my book was helping people. What you just heard was not a man taking a victory lap or giving and accepting high fives, puffing out his chest over his accomplishments. No, what you just heard was Warwick, the host of this podcast, talking about just one of the blessings he feels has come his way in the year quickly drawing to a close. Hi, I'm Gary Schneeberger, his co-host. And what you'll hear this week is a conversation between me and Warwick in which he expresses his gratitude for all that's happened for Crucible Leadership in 2021. From the release of his book to some life-changing insights from our podcast guests to the excitement mixed with a little bit of surprise over the appreciative reception he's experienced on the first leg of his speaking tour. Why are we taking the time to revisit the highlights of the past 12 months? Because Warwick believes that gratitude is one of the most important keys to unlocking a life of significance and rocket fuel for tackling new opportunities to propel ourselves forward for the next 12 months. This time of year with the holidays coming up, we've got Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year. Many folks are going to be with families in the U.S. and just different parts of the world. And as you're with families, it's a time to pause and reflect. And and hopefully, I think, um, in an ideal sense, it's a time to be grateful, to be thankful, and really just to count your blessings, so to speak. So as I look back on this last year, um, certainly personally, but uh, you know, definitely professionally with the Crucible Leadership, I truly feel uh, blessed. You know, so often life is so busy. I think human nature is such we tend to focus more on what irritates us or our deficiencies <laughs> or challenging relationships, all of which is totally normal. And when a good thing happens, we go, oh, that's nice. And we just promptly forget it and move on. So it takes more work to think of our blessings than uh, our trials. Uh, trials bring pain. Pain uh, forces us to, to remember and not forget or left to its own devices. So I think it's a good exercise to focus on how we're blessed in this last year and, um, and don't just skip over it. So that's kind of what we're going to do here. There's going to be some broader lessons learned for, I think, all of us. But part of the springboard is just the sense of feeling blessed uh, in crucible leadership and what's been happening. So that's kind of the thought is just 
taking stock of our blessings and uh, being grateful. If I had to um, summarize the subjects that we're going to discuss, I'll channel my mother's Southern heritage. And I'll say that it's all about, this episode is all about blessings and lessons, right? We're going to talk about blessings and we're going to talk about the lessons that those blessings have have imparted to us as we look to move beyond our crucible. And we hope, listener, that they'll also be encouraging and equipping to you. Um, An interesting point, Warwick, that you just made there about, uh, particularly around the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving has passed by the time listeners hear this. Um, The other holidays, Christmas and New Year's, um, are are coming up. But you you mentioned that we can easily focus on on the opposite of blessings, what we don't have, what's gone wrong, uh, worry, those kinds of things. Why do you think that's um, that's both so so common, and why do you think that's dangerous as we go into this time of year? Yeah, it's a good question. I think as you focus on your trials, challenging relationships. I mean, for some, gathering with family and the holidays is a blessed event. For others. Uh, they look forward to it with dread, or maybe they've lost a loved one, and so gathering together at the you know Christmas dinner table or Thanksgiving, it's a it can be a time to remember what you don't have, that loved one that's no longer there, a husband, a wife, partner, parents, grandparents. It's all understandable, but you know grieving is a part of certainly the process, but if you just focus on trials you tend to get stuck. And if you want to live a life of significance, a life on purpose dedicated to serving others, which is what we're all about here at Crystal Leadership, at a certain point, you know, you don't ignore the grief, you don't you honor those who are no longer with us, but you also have to uh, not move on, but in a sense, maybe honor their memory by living life to the fullest. And part of living life to the fullest is just being grateful, being thankful, because counting your blessings, to use that oft-used aphorism, it does give you sort of rocket fuel. It's like turbo power to help you help you really contribute to the world. So, you know, it's not just doing it for the sake of it. It's a really important exercise that's both encouraging to you and it can be encouraging to others. So it's It's a very important thing to do because if you just wallow in your pain, however understandable it is, not only are you not helping yourself, you will typically not help others. And in the extreme, when you wallow in your pain, not only is it not helpful to you, you might end up hurting other people, especially those you love, which is never what you want to do. Nobody wants to hurt people they care about. So grief is a real part of loss, and I honor that, but you know, you've got to also count your blessings. You've got to focus on gratitude and what you're grateful for. It's just really important to do that. And as we talk about at Crucible Leadership and Beyond the Crucible, this idea of did a crucible happen to you or for you, I think what you're saying there is can you find things that are positive that happened for you? For instance, Um, I mean, I'll just use my example. As we're recording this episode, uh, my father's birthday would have been tomorrow. Uh, He passed away this summer at age 93. Uh, It is going to be a difficult day. I can choose to 
feel bad about that, be sad about that, and I will be. I can live there, camp there, or I can focus on the things, not that my father left me, but what my father left me. I can find those learnings there and use those to, as you have said, calm my spirit, center my soul, uh, give me energy and passion for today. Find those those silver linings in the clouds, which we, we urge people to do through crucibles all the time. That applies as well to this holiday season and to not being uh, knocked down by those those emotional things that might tug at us, but pushing through them, learning lessons from them, and indeed finding blessing in them. Yeah, I mean, it's such a good point. I mean, as we're talking here, uh, Gary, both of us have uh, lost our parents. Um, I lost my mother a, a few years ago, uh, 2017, my dad a very long time ago in uh, early 1987. He was in his 80s when he died. He was a lot older when, you know, he uh, had me. So it'd be easy to focus on on loss and, you know, we'll be spending Christmas here uh, in Maryland where we live now, not in Australia. And uh, we no longer have the house we grew up in. There's a lot of things we'll never experience. So I could focus on all of that. Or I could focus on just uh, wonderful memories of having Christmas Day in uh, Australia and Sydney, which is because Australia is the other side of the world, is typically the hottest day of the year, which is obviously different than a lot of North America. And just think of those of those happy memories. We all have them. And just to give you one example, one happy memory that I have is Christmas Eve. We would gather in um, one of the rooms at what uh, was a large house in Sydney, and uh, there was a grand piano there. And we would sing Christmas carols. Well, a lot of people do that. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, my younger brother and sister, my parents, we would always have this ritual in which my dad would begin to play the piano with two hands. Now, at that point, growing up, he's in his 60s and 70s. He really hadn't played the piano in, I don't know, 50-odd years. And he probably was never really that good. So we'd always start off with two hands, you know, and he'd always start off with like, his favorite Christmas carol was Hark the Herald Angels. So we'd be like, Hark, wait wait a second, hang on, hang on. The, the <laughs> okay, just a minute, Herald. And he'd be like, Dad, okay, just go to one hand. Eventually you'd go to one hand and then we'd get through it. Every single year, it would always be the same. You start off with two hands, couldn't do it. And so that's a happy memory of gathering around the pianos singing Christmas carols. And it was, it's a happy memory because it was all so comical with the two hands go to one hand. So we all have those memories in our past. So focus on those happy memories rather than the sense of, of loss. And I'm sure obviously you would have, we all have those memories. I'm sure you do too. So focus on those happy memories uh, around this time and why we're blessed rather than the sense of loss. Absolutely. Moving now into specifically crucible leadership territory. Over the last several months, listeners may have picked it up if they've if they've really listened closely to some of the episodes prior to this one. But you've had a, a kind of a significant shift in your thinking about crucibles vis-a-vis blessings just over the last several months. Talk about that a little bit as we then sort of transition into what are some of the blessings that we've enjoyed in 2021? 
Yeah, and we'll talk more about it as we progress. But one of the interesting things is we've had maybe like 90 plus episodes of our podcast Beyond the Crucible, 70 plus guests. And one of the things I really enjoy is, you know, we learn so much from our guests. We had a uh, resilience series recently. And, uh, you know, there was a woman, Stacey Kopass, an uh, Australian woman who was um, injured in a diving accident in above ground pool in the suburbs of Sydney. Uh, she was like about 12, I think, at the time, uh, somewhere around there. And uh, like a lot of kids, they just sort of ignore their parents' advice, which, you know, don't dive into the pool. It's not that deep. And yeah, sure, right. whatever, mom, dad. She did, and she was diagnosed as a quadriplegic. That was devastating, as you would expect. She had some substance abuse issues in her teens, but now she is just this vibrant, happy uh, woman that that coaches, that speaks and helps uh, actually coach and speak on resilience. And she views what she went through as, as a gift, almost as a blessing. I mean, nobody would want to go through that kind of crucible or, or anything, but I think what we've picked up from her and indeed many of our guests is they obviously don't like what they went through, whether it was their fault or not their fault, but they're using their pain for a purpose. They're seeing it in terms of a blessing. So I don't know that I ever would have looked back and said what I went through was a blessing before or a gift. I would say a lot. some good things came out of it. I learned a lot. I'm doing what I love. But I think it's been a bit of an evolution uh, in terms of, well, maybe, maybe it was a blessing. Maybe it was a gift. So you know, uh, that's certainly been an evolution of my thinking and just the great value of learning from other people. Every human being, I think, has something to teach us if we will let them. And certainly, I've learned from all our guests, and most recently, I certainly learned from Stacey Kopass. Since I am your PR guy, as well as the co-host of this show, I think that now gives me the uh, um, the right or the opportunity to put out a press release that says he lost $2.25 billion and says it's a gift. Um, <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll talk more about that. Maybe we'll have to talk more about that, but that would be a headline. That would Indeed. be a headline on a, a, a press release that would, that would catch the media's attention Indeed. for sure. Let's shift a little bit now into a more traditional discussion of what blessing is uh, and sort of the meat and potatoes of what this show is about. And that is 2021 was a pretty phenomenal year for crucible leadership, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Part of the genesis of the idea for this episode is recently we were discussing with our team. So what happened in 2021? Because basically, in order to uh, start thinking of plans for 2022, uh, standard strategic planning kind of process is what you know worked well, what could have worked better. You know, what are some of the strengths? What are some of the areas we want to improve? Standard stuff that most businesses go through periodically, and that is a springboard for okay. So, what do we want to do? You know, utilizing our strengths, for instance, for next year because there's a lot of things we could do, but what do we want to focus on? So as we were having this discussion and going down the list of the things that happened in 2021, it's easy to forget them in the sense of when you're in the trenches, focusing on, okay, what do we need to do today? What do, how do we fix this or that? What are we going to do tomorrow? It's easy to get lost in the weeds and the trenches and day-to-day hustle and bustle of activities. 
But as we were going through the list of things that happened, it's like, oh my gosh, I do indeed feel blessed. I do indeed feel blessings have been showered on me from my perspective, being a person of faith from the Lord. I have a lot to be grateful for, a lot to be thankful for. And so I did, in a sense, as I was in the middle of that meeting just a few days ago, uh, I just felt blessed. And, you know, obviously the biggest one is uh, the book, Crucible Leadership, Embrace Your Trials to Lead a Life of Significance. That was, in some sense, you could say 30 plus years in the making from the day of the takeover of 1987. It was probably at least 12 years in the making, as listeners would know. I've often told the story. In 2008, my pastor wanted a sort of church we go to in Annapolis, Maryland. He was giving a sermon uh, on the life of David, a you know, righteous man falsely persecuted by King Saul. I'm not David, but I gave a 10, 12-minute talk. Somehow, people felt like my story and the lessons learned was very helpful. Hence, at that point, I felt led to write a lessons learned book. It took years to write and then years to get it published. You've got to build a brand, create a following. And that culminated in a book deal with Mount Table Media and Morgan James. And as of October 19, this fall, it was published. Well, that's at least 12 plus years in the making, if not more, depending on how you look at it. And I feel blessed to actually have a book. It looks good. It went through, you know, we went through a lot of, um, uh, you know, some, you know, editing, uh, which you were a part of. And I feel good about it. I feel like this is a book I'm actually proud of. I, uh, you know, it's, um, mm. I think it's something that can really help people. But when you have that kind of book and it's taken so long to get there, you cannot help but be blessed. Well, you should, you should feel blessed and you should be grateful. From my perspective, I'm grateful to the Lord for, making it possible. So that's that was probably the biggest um, blessing this year. And that's no small thing to have a book published. Uh, so yeah, I feel blessed. Let me pause here before we move on to tie a ribbon on that mention of the book and also set the stage for what's coming next. If you've listened to this show once or twice before, listener, you know that Warwick is not an ego-driven person. Warwick's not talking about the book here to say, look at me, I got a book published. The, the reason to sort of take this tour of blessings, as we've talked about it, isn't to, to spike the football, to use a term you've used offline with me, Warwick. It's to create energy and ideas for growing and cementing the life of significance moving forward. Everything that you're going to talk about here as a blessing, a key moment in 2021 for Crucible Leadership in that meeting that we had as a team sparked ideas for things we can do to take it further in 2022. So let's be clear. This is not a, hey, look at me I had a great year in 2021. It's here's the things that happened in 2021 that give us energy and ideas and passion and purpose for moving on to give you, listener, more content, more hope in 2022. 
that's fair, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, there's a phrase I'm sure many of us have heard, you know, having an attitude of gratitude. There's a fair amount of books that are printed on, you know, gratitude. Uh, so it's it's certainly popular in our culture, but there's a reason for it is that as you're thankful and grateful, it fuels you with energy to n- take the next positive step, you know? So this book, uh, which would take too long to get into, but there were many positive steps. I mean, I had some great uh, conversations with potential publishers in Australia a number of years ago. That didn't quite work out just because of um, you know the market needs in Australia and what they were looking for and what I was looking for. I had a couple of editors in Australia help me. Then you know here we had some recently more editing. Uh, we had a fantastic person help us with the cover design, interior design, great team at Morgan James. Uh, you know, we worked together in those final editing stages. The point is behind this major blessing of getting Crucible Leadership published, there were many blessings along the way. There were positive right. steps that I was grateful for that fueled me with energy to take the next step. Okay, we've got you know, more of a structural edit, fantastic. Let's do more of a proofreading edit, you know? Uh, Let's make sure we get a great cover design, terrific. Or let's make sure we get a great design of interior layouts. All of these things, this major blessing was a compilation of many blessings. And so having a positive, yeah, obviously a vision that you're off the charts passionate about, but by being grateful each step of the way, it helps make this bigger blessing possible. So, your attitude as you pursue it is huge. If it's like, oh my gosh, this is so much work. Year after year goes by, I couldn't quite seem to make it work in Australia. Oh, it'll never happen. And oh my gosh, it takes so long. And gosh, you know, to go through each chapter and, you know, it was 100,000 words initially and Morgan James very rightly said we want it more uh, like 80,000. Be like, oh my gosh, here we go again. What's this edit number? 800. It wasn't edit number 800. It felt like it. So I could have had- I think it was 807. Yeah, there you go. If I remember correctly. So <laughs> so rather than an attitude of gratitude, I could have had an attitude of whining, or as we say in Australia, which is worse, an attitude of whinging, which is like whining squared. I could have complained all the way. And what, what would complaining and whining and whinging and being irritated have done? It would have guaranteed the book never got published. I would have said, it's all too much. Let, let's give up. But by being grateful and positive, good things happen. So there's some really important lessons in getting this book published. Not just about the book, it's your attitude can fuel the direction of your life, can fuel your success, frankly. Your attitude can also uh, doom you to misery and, and failure. You know, you, you want to you guarantee that you will fail, irrespective of what other people do. Be grouchy, grumpy, whiny, whingy and complain every second of the day, and I guarantee you that uh, success won't happen. It's guaranteed. If you follow that path, you, you know you won't succeed at anything. And in crucible leadership terms, not only will success not happen, but the other S word, significance, won't happen. And that's, that's truly um, a trauma. That's a crucible oven by itself if you're living a life of quiet insignificance, to paraphrase what you quote Thoreau as saying. Yeah, yeah, right a- 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 absolutely. I mean, he, as, as you say, you don't want to, in the words of Henry David Thoreau, 
lead lives of quiet desperation. You go to work every day and it's just everything is miserable. Your whole life you think is just awful. You just you hate the thought of coming home. You hate the thought of going to work. You might even hate the thought of being alive. At least as far as you can, you can change that with your attitude you want to. I realize there are some circumstances that are very challenging, but you don't need to make it worse with your attitude. That can make a difficult situation far worse. So attitude is everything, and that's really why we're talking about it. So yeah, the book was huge. There's no question. But the book was not the only blessing of 2021. What else? Again, a blessing that helped fuel your passion, that um, allowed you to work in your giftings and your vision. What else happened in 2021 that you want to single out as a, uh, a, a blessing? Yeah, as you're talking, Gary, I think, and as we're going through each of these items, it's important to note that the reason, or one of the reasons they were blessing is that you know, I'm not a take no prisoners kind of corporate executive, as I often say, maybe it was arguably needed in my Fairfax media days. I'm more of a reflective advisor, a writer, thinker, now, you know, speaker. Uh, I love learning and listening. So everything that we do is in line with my design, from my perspective, divine design. You know, we don't do things that are off-brand or something that I don't have remote kind of gifting for because that would make no sense. So one of the things that, you know, really we've done uh, this year, we started a podcast, I think a couple of years ago, this fall and uh, Beyond the Crucible, which is what you're listening to now. And we took some significant steps forward this year. For the first time, we had a whole uh, series. We had a six-week series called Resilience. And really, you know, one of the things that's definitely helped us with is the... uh, Folks at Content Capital um, who helped produce our podcast. Uh, that resilience series was huge to have a series based on that certain theme. They've helped uh, with our marketing efforts to you know take our downloads and uh, be able to have our message reach a broader audience. And same folks at Content Capital uh, also have an arm that does audiobooks. And so I was thinking. Not everybody does it, but I was thinking I'd love to have an audiobook, and they have a, a division that does that. And so I spent uh, a week in Austin, Texas in August uh, in sort of a sound booth, and they had a uh, Grammy award-winning sound engineer behind the booth, so to speak, which is you know pretty impressive to have that level of quality. And Absolutely. So I kind of narrated the whole book. It was a long week, uh, but you know, took plenty of breaks and... Um, so the, I actually, it sounds weird. This I actually almost enjoy listening to the audiobook because I'm hearing my own understated passion. It takes a lot for me to say that, but they did Absolutely. such a great job. So they helped, you know, take our podcast and the audiobook to another level. And just the quality of guests we've had on the podcast. I mentioned Stacey Kopas. We've had a bunch of others that I've really learned so much from. So I, I just love learning about from people that I knew nothing about. Another example is we had Jason Hardrath on. Um, actually, I think it's a very recent episode. Uh, you know, maybe the episode yeah, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, uh, shortly before this. And here's somebody that uh, had an accident in 2015. Stopped him doing triathlons and running. 
but he shifted to mountain climbing, which he could still do just because um, the way his knee was injured, he could kind of go up easier than he could uh, uh, run on horizontal ground. And he has an ADHD challenge, but I learned so much from him because of his challenge, he has a gift, which is he has no fear. He will just try crazy things like, gee, I can barely swim three laps of a pool. I'm going to sign up for a triathlon, which involves what, like 2.4 mile swim or something like that. And nobody would tend to do that. It's like, well, okay, if I can hit a mile swim, maybe I'll sign up for a triathlon in six months. But because of his challenge, he holds no fear. It's like, gosh, I can learn from Jason. The sense of don't set a goal, but don't have fear. Plan by all, but just go for it. You know, too many people fail not because they're not going for things, because they're not willing to try. So that had a huge impact on me as I reflect on that gift that Jason gave to me. His lack of fear, he's willing just to go for it. Because I'm more plan, 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 think, 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 then stick my toe in the water, then go back and plan and think <laughs> some more. Now I'm exaggerating. I'm not as bad as I used to be. Not much. Uh, Not much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm cautious by nature, fearful even. But, you know, so what we've achieved with my natural, fearful, cautious design 2021 is nothing short of a miracle. Because you would look at it and say, how could a fearful person accomplish everything that we've done? And we haven't even got to speeches. Speaking of fear. Right. I mean, Oh right. my, oh my gosh. You know, I used to say. Uh, before we go there, sure. let me uh, rewind a little bit and talk a couple things about what you just mentioned. Uh, first, the Resilience podcast series, Harnessing Resilience. Uh, I encourage you, listener, if you haven't uh, picked that up, uh, go back into our archive and um, grab the Harnessing Resilience six part series. Strong guests who have harnessed resilience in, in a variety of different ways, um, both anecdotally, experientially, and then also we have some research about what leads to resilience. But one of the things from that show that really uh, was, was spotlit for us here at Beyond the Crucible was that resilience is nearly impossible, if not truly impossible, to move beyond your crucible, as the show is called, if you do not have resilience. And um, Stacy Kopass is 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 sort of becoming the MVP of this conversation because we've mentioned her now three or four times. But Stacy says something uh, something in that in her episode of that series where she talks about resilience as something that happens where your crucible's kind of like being on a trampoline, and the lower down your crucible takes you, the higher up resilience can launch you. And that was a real learning point for me. So as you talk about learning points and and little bits of of insight and inspiration that we pick up through the show, um, I hope listeners feel the same thing. I hope they, you know, I hope you have your own listener, your own tidbits that you've picked up to help you walk out your path beyond your crucible. But that thing from Stacy about a crucible experience is, uh, you know, think of it as a trampoline. The lower down you go, the higher up you can be launched was a true uh, difference maker for me in terms of how I orient myself toward crucibles. And then, Warwick, your mention just, of the audio book. Yeah, um, oh, yeah just please. before we leave podcasts and Stacey Kopass and the Resilience Series, I think, you know, we can tie this back to what we're talking about because every guest in the Resilience Series, indeed every guest I think we've ever had, 
one of the keys is being a positive attitude. They may have gone mm-hmm. through a season, like Stacey Kopas did, of substance abuse, of being just angry and bitter. And because it was her fault from her perspective, she was really tough on herself. Why did I dive in that pool? Why did I listen to my parents at age 12? But, you know, you're young. Young people do silly things as part of growing up. You know, obviously there were pretty bad consequences here, but every guest we've had from Jason uh, Hardras to Stacey Kopas, everybody we had on the Resilience Series, they've had this positive attitude. They've not let grief or anger about what happened to them or the mistakes they've made overwhelm them. Yes, they've had a season to have to deal with that. Um, and, you know, you go through pain, there'll always be scars, but they had a positive attitude. They count their blessings. They're grateful. They find a way to see, find gratitude in in the most unlikely places. And that positive attitude is probably the key to their bouncing back. It's key to their resilience and it's key to their ability to lead life to significance. So you go underneath the hood of everyone, every guest we had in the resilience series, their mindset, their positive mindset was absolutely key to fueling uh, and strengthening their resilience muscle. It, it's just staggering to me. And hopefully, listener, as I said, what Warwick just described is what you have experienced listening to those guests along with us. Uh, we've talked about some of the takeaways that we've pulled from the shows, from the guests that we've talked to, but we know that, uh, we hope, we pray that you have had those same experiences. One of the things that you don't know is after every episode that we record, Warwick and I talk um, on the phone um, after we turn off play, hit stop, uh, and we talk about, you know, what did you think about that? What stood out for you? And it's always amazing because there is always a learning. Never once in more than 90 shows have we had a phone call after we recorded an episode and gone, okay, well, that was, uh, that was all right. Uh, see you uh, tomorrow. <laughs> um, uh, we, you know, right. we unpack the learnings that we have had. Um, and we've studied the guests beforehand. So those conversations, again, yeah. we hope continue to to use the word of the day for this episode. We hope those conversations continue to bless you. Amen. I want to say this before we get into the next subject, because you teased it a little bit, your speeches. Um, and I want to set the tone or the, the stage for you as you talk about the speeches that you've been giving across the country about your book. And I want to say this to the listener. Um, you've now, if you've been with us for any period of time, a few episodes, you've you've come to a place where you kind of have an impression of Warwick. Warwick um, is a uh, contemplative man. He is a reflective advisor type. He likes to ask questions. He listens before he asks questions. Now, because Warwick is the host of a podcast, which is a form of entertainment, uh, is also a little form of journalism. You might wonder, like you do with some people in entertainment realm, is that really who Warwick Fairfax is? I'm here to tell you, what you see is what you get with Warwick. Um, so when he says to you uh, what he's going to tell you about speaking, have that mindset there. Warwick, when he tells you, as he's about to tell you, I didn't start out as the greatest speaker and it was a little nerve wracking for me. He is telling you the absolute unvarnished, uh, transparent, vulnerable truth. This is something that he had to work at 
And when he calls it now a blessing, when he now talks about how he feels as a speaker versus how he felt as a speaker when he started, that is a true movement along the line of a life of significance. So talk about the blessing of the speaking tour that you've been on, and we'll continue on uh, after the first of the year. So it's interesting, almost a lifelong journey. I remember at an early age, teenage, uh, growing up uh, in Australia, in my mind's eye, I saw myself taking a leading role in Fairfax Media, giving speeches to employees, encouraging them, making them mm. feel honored, treasured, respected. You know, I just saw myself, you know, just helping them feel like they matter. You know, it was just this, this daydream as you do when you're a teenager. And so obviously whether that whole thing was my vision or ancestors vision is another question but I think over the years if you ask me about speaking I'd say I'm like the world's worst speaker it is not my gifting I'm not a outgoing extroverted person I'm probably more introverted shy I don't like being in the limelight I can't like run around with you know no notes and just speak off the cuff in some compelling way I mean it's just not me. So I'm thinking me speak. I mean, that's going to be a heavy lift. It's just not a natural thing for me to be on a stage in front of a whole stack of people. Well, let's stop here for a second because I, I knew the pivot was coming, but I want to unpack something. <laughs> sure. I'm going to pull the sweater string now that you like to pull on guests. Please, you go ahead. Because that's the first time you've ever told that story about how you thought about as the proprietor, the, the head of Fairfax Media speaking and inspiring the troops, as it were. And I've never heard you tell that story. And you tell that story as if you really wanted that to be true and that there might have been a tinge of disappointment that it wasn't. That's the first time I've heard you articulate something about the failure of the takeover that was sort of a ding to your your desire of what you wanted to do. It may not have been your vision, but that aspect sure. of speaking and inspiring people you wanted to do, did it hurt? Did you think about that through the years, that that was something you lost when you lost the company? Well, there was a lost opportunity because I was so scared and uh, just felt like completely out of my element. Uh, we had so much debt, as most listeners would know, after the $2.25 billion takeover. I spent most of my time in refinancing. I was in my late 20s. I just, I was shy. So you typically what you do is you manage by walking around. I never walked the, you know, the floors of John Fairfax Limited, talking to journalists, staff members, how you doing? I mean, I have the capacity to ask questions and be empathetic, you know, but at the time I was too scared during the headlines to do that. So yes, lost opportunity to make people feel encouraged and cared. And I was just so out of my element that um, it was just almost impossible for me at that time. So it must make it much sweeter now that you are on the road and you are speaking to audiences about your book. And 
a book that you wrote, it's important to note, and I don't think we mentioned it here yet, in a lessons learned format. It's not just the, the Warwick Fairfax story. It's, a, it's, it's in lessons learned how you overcome a crucible and lead a life of significance. That's got to be even more richly rewarding for you now, having not had that opportunity that you thought about before. So talk about what's been happening on the road. I know the stories, but the listeners don't know them yet. So we had a number of uh, opportunities this fall, a couple of different universities, one faith-based, one more general, uh, some business groups. And what's been amazing is the reception from both both business people and and students. You know, I mean, it's amazing to me that we would ship books and sometimes it'd be like, well, you'd not be disappointed if all of them don't go because students are busy. All of them went. And, you know, we have a, a moment in the general speech in which we hand out um, cards and pens and we ask the audience, so, you know, talk about a vision that you're off the charts passionate about. Talk about what your life significance is going to be. What one next step will you do this week? Well, you know, the, the students' heads were down and it felt like two or three minutes were going by. It's like they were writing right. like an epistle, like a tome. I mean, what's going on here? Yeah, I was, yeah you had to cut them off no. to, to continue. And then we have a time where you uh, kind of lead the question part of it. And the questions they asked, I mean, it, they, they, they got what I was going through. They would say, they might even say, you know, do you view now your life as a blessing that, you know, maybe it worked out for the best? One person even said or asked, when you go back to Australia, is it painful? Well, yes, it is. Not as painful as it used to be. You, you, you've got to be listening very closely to get the fact that it's, it's painful. That was an incredibly good question. And then at, at the end, you know, uh, one venue we're at, all of the books went and, I don't know, stacks of people sign, you know, signed up to get a book. And there was a line seemingly a mile long, you know, for students in one location at the end of the day wanting me to sign the book. It was blew right. my mind. I mean, you know, it was just so the reaction by all folks, business folks, but certainly students, it's like it felt like this book mattered to them. My story, the lessons learned about leading a life significance, as we say often, you're not defined by your worst day, how you can get over that worst day and just live a life, a significance, a life on purpose, dedicated to serving others. I mean, it was such a blessing to see that my book was helping people and the questions they were asking, they were engaged, you know, for like students that when you would ask them what one next step. So many of them said, you know, I'm going to talk to my mom or dad this week. I'm going to tell them what I'm thinking of. I mean, that when a student says that, they don't talk to mom and dad about everything. You talk to mom and dad when it really matters, you know, about something you really care about. So it was such a blessing for so, and I can honestly say, I'm not the world's worst speaker. I think I can say I'm competent, maybe even good. And for me to admit that I'm good at speaking, it, it's a miracle. It, it makes no sense, given that this is not my area of strength. It just goes to show you that anything's impossible if you're passionate enough about what you're doing and you care enough about helping people. Anything's possible. I mean, it, it's a miracle that I can get to competent, if not good, at speaking. It makes no sense. It's a miracle. 
I am absolutely grateful and I absolutely feel blessed. Uh, it just, it, it blows my mind. Two points, actually three. First point, uh, not necessarily a miracle. Um, uh, you worked hard at it. So um, second point, you mentioned earlier in this episode, Jason Hardrath and um, your appreciation for Jason uh, through his crucible and, and his athletic career um, that he seemed to have no fear that he just was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I, I'll figure it out. And mm -hmm. he just pushed ahead and he, he was not immobilized by fear. I've watched you as you've, as you've, as you've embarked on this journey to craft a speech, prepare to deliver a speech, deliver it. You've done the same thing. You've not been afraid. There's been, no, you've not been slowed or stopped by fear as you've moved forward to do that. And there's a there's a pivotal moment that I want to uh, bring to listeners' attention. You were practicing the speech. It was me and Carrie Childers, who mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, um, your speaking agent um, and and a friend of ours. And we were uh, you were performing the speech. You, you were giving the speech to me and Carrie as your as your stand-in audience. And every other time, as you're telling the story of the takeover bid. Every other time you'd ever talked about it on this show, in other people's podcasts and in interviews, in conversation behind the scenes, you always referred to yourself as a failed media mogul in context of, you know, mm -hmm. most often in the context of when you were asked to give a speech at church uh, about um, the life of David. You told your story in the context of a sermon series on the life of David, and you said it, it moved people, and your line was, I don't know how it moved people. There weren't a lot of other failed media moguls in the audience. As you were t were delivering the speech to me and Carrie, out of your mouth, and I listened for it more than once to make <laughs> sure it wasn't just a, a change that happened because you you changed your tune once. You said you stopped saying failed media mogul, and you said, "I don't know how it moved so many people because I looked out in the congregation and there weren't any other former media moguls." And I listened, and you said it once and twice and three times, and you've continued to do that. And to me, that was an enormous sign that not only were you not afraid, but you had grown in confidence in delivering that speech. And more than just delivering the speech and talking about that time in your life and how you've moved on beyond it, how you're living a life of significance, you were walking around in that, not feeling cocky, feeling confident and comfortable in your skin. And that's why you stopped in my view, that's why you stopped defining yourself as a failed media mogul, but as a former media mogul, because the truth of the matter is you were in charge of John Fairfax Limited for three years. Uh, it did go into bankruptcy eventually, but you were still a media mogul for three years. That to me was a, was a pivotal moment in how comfortable you became in sharing that story for, again, a lessons learned format. Is that a fair observation? Absolutely. Well said. I mean, it's, there's, it's a sign of inner healing, of um, coming to terms with things and um, shifting my inner mindset from fail to former. That was a very, it's a very astute point. And, um, you know, I think as I look back at, at speaking, it's funny, Jason Hardrath and I couldn't be more different. I mean, obviously he has ADHD. That's true. You know, he has ADHD, he's fearless. I'm a cautious planner, think, 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 step, think, think, think again. 
but yet, and I sometimes overdo my parody almost of myself because coupled with fear and caution, I have, in fact, I once went to somebody who assessed me years ago and they said I had like almost off the charts perseverance. I mean, extremely high. And that is true. Mm -hmm. I have very high perseverance. I'm a person of obviously deep faith, at least I like to think, and deep conviction. So once I decide this is important, it's not about me, it's helping others, and I'm convinced that I need to do something, 99% of the time it'll get done because my conviction and my perseverance overcomes my innate caution and my innate inertia. And I can be detail-orientated when I want to be. So once I decide to do something, I hate things not getting done. It's a part of my DNA. So once I decide to do something, it and each step will tend to happen. And so there's, we often have different parts of ourselves almost at war within our souls. Or So that's part of, that's part of what happened is trust the process, trust the team, And because it was so important for me to get my message out and to help people, to help business folks and students, that inner conviction, this is important, you know, I need to find a way to do this. And I also felt like, look, even if I deliver it poorly, and this is some of this, the reason I'm saying this is I think it can help the listener. Even if I give my speech badly or poorly, the innate story of losing 2.25 billion of bouncing back to lead a life of significance, of focusing on helping others, that innate story is powerful. I know it's powerful, just objectively speaking. So even a bad story delivered with authenticity, passion, honesty, and hopefully a dose of humility, even badly delivered can work. So that gave me the confidence saying, this is a good message. It can work. Even if I mess it up with horrendous delivery, it can still work. You know, so that gave me just a sense of inner confidence and flaw saying, okay, you know, what's the worst that can happen? It's still got a pretty decent chance of working because of the power of the story and I, a passionate person in my own understated way. So that's some of the thinking that was behind the hood. It's like I have perseverance, but I felt like this is a good message and I've got, I've had great help. And so, you know, let's go for it. So that's some of that inner psychological working within you as you seek to accomplish your dreams. It This is important work. And the, the most important thing is if you believe in your message and you believe in what you're doing can help people, that will get you through a lot of fear and a lot of caution. You'll be willing to do things you never thought possible. And you will do better than you ever thought possible because people want to listen to people with convictions who have a message that they feel that can help them. So that's part of what got me through my innate caution is, is my conviction and perseverance and the belief that this message matters. I want to help people get through their worst day. That sounded a lot like the captain turning on the fastened seatbelt sign, indicating that it's about time to put the plane on the ground. But I know you're not done uh, yet, Warwick, in talking about not just the blessings that have happened in 2021, but as you said at the outset, this all was birthed, this conversation, this idea for this conversation was birthed out of a meeting we had as a team talking about what we can pursue in 2022. So what do you want to share about 
what your hopes are for the next year, what you're thinking of for the next year, what listeners can expect. Where are things headed for Crucible Leadership? Yeah, I mean, again, I can't help it. I'm reflective. But as I look back, I think as I, if I had to sum up everything we've said, I feel blessed from the book to the, you know, the printed book, the audio book, the podcast, the speaking. I think there's been another level of healing, both in listening to folks like Stacey Kopass and thinking, gosh, it is a blessing, it is a gift. And when you see young folks in particular, it moving them, that matters to me. It would matter to anybody that's human. There's a level of healing in that. And then not only is there healing, as I mentioned, there's learning, you know, learning from the people we've been on, from Stacey Kobas to Jason Hardrat. So that's that's kind of super uh, excited. Um, so I think as we look to the next year, we're going to continue to grow the podcast and seek to grow and have more uh, series on there like resilience. You know, we'll see what we have to come. Uh, I'll be speaking in different uh, groups from business groups to students. That's our hope and plan. And, you know, maybe uh, there's all sorts of different things that you can do from webinars to online courses. There's a stack of things we're discussing right now, different ways to get our message out in the material in ways, both in the breadth of uh, the, the coverage of the message is also depth of ability to interact with it. Um, and I think as I'd sum up, because I, I want listeners both to understand our journey and what we're looking to do, but I also want listeners to think, well, what does this mean to me? How can I use this in my own life? And I think it's, you know, be grateful. Take stock of your blessings. Count your blessings. Don't forget them, whether it's family or career. Take stock of that. And, you know, as Stacey Kopass says, there can be a gift and a blessing in your pain. It's hard to fathom in your worst moment, but think about, reflect about it. Is there a way that I can use this to help people? And when you're using your pain to help people, there can be some level of healing, not necessarily physically, but at least emotionally and, and spiritually. So, and the other thing about the wonders of being grateful and thankful and counting your blessings, that is like rocket fuel to help you accomplish your vision to lead a life of significance, a life on purpose dedicated to serving others. When you're thankful, your ability to accomplish that vision in ways that are beyond your imagination is possible. So it's not only a good thing from an ethical or moral point of view, it's a practical thing. It will help you accomplish your vision bigger, better, and quicker than you ever thought possible. So count your blessings, be grateful, be thankful. You will both feel better and you will accomplish much more than you ever thought imaginable. I'm gonna grab my carry-on bag and head off the plane. You just landed it. That was fabulous. I'm going to end this episode, listener, by asking you a couple of questions, because we've been talking about uh, right what we've accomplished in 2021 at Crucible Leadership and what we're looking to do in 2022. So a couple of questions for you, and we want your feedback. What would you like to see? Is there anything you'd like to see content-wise from Crucible Leadership? Uh, if so, Email us at info at crucibleleadership.com. That's info at crucibleleadership.com. And tell us what kinds of content would you find helpful uh, as you navigate your own journey beyond your crucible to a life of significance. And then if you'd like to hear the X 
media mogul, not the failed <laughs> media mogul, the former not failed media mogul. If you'd like to hear him speak, if you'd like to have Warwick come to uh, to your group, uh, to your business, what, to your classroom, whatever it is, if you'd like to hear Warwick speak, you can also email to uh, info at crucibleleadership.com and uh, we will get back to you and um, and discuss how we can make that happen. Speaking of making things happen, uh, we are thankful that we made it happen, that you joined us today, that you made it happen, that you joined us today on this episode of Beyond the Crucible. And until the next time we're together, please remember, we talked about it here, uh, crucible experiences we know are difficult. They can knock the wind out of your sails. They can make you feel like your life is forever changed. Uh, and even if it is, though, here's the, here's the great truth. They're not the end of your story was not the end of Warwick's story. He talked, we spent this entire episode talking about things that weren't the end of his story, things that happened after his crucible, things that happened because he learned the lessons of his crucible. And that's the great news about moving beyond your crucible is if you learn the lessons of it, it's not the end of your story. In fact, it can be the, the beginning of a new story for you. And it can be the best story that you live because what the story reads at the end, when it says the end, when you turn the last page, that ending is a life of significance. <music>